0: Well, I'm assuming we're going to have to talk about Ska Dream, right?
1: Oh, I forgot, yeah.
0: So do you want to just start and get into it?
1: Yeah, let's just do it all, yeah.
0: Adventure. Welcome to your Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the human,
1: and I am Nick the human. And happy Tuesday morning. Uh, we're here recording this the Friday night before. We're, we're we're recording our episodes pretty currently, you guys. I know a lot of other episodes, you know, bank a couple and throw them out, but it feels more it feels right when we do this. It feels more urgent. We can discuss current matters, right, Eric? I
0: guess. We've been on schedule pretty decently for a while now. Yeah. There's no, there's no last-minute Nick career things that push everything back a couple of days and then you know mess up my rec- recording editing schedule.
1: <laughs> not recently. Um, not within the last bunch of months. When was the last time that didn't ha- happen? Like October, I remember pretty hard. And since then, we've been <laughs> we've been doing all right. Um, and maybe we'll even get to do them in person. In not too long. We'll see about that. Um.
0: Yep, I'm uh I'm probably going to be in Texas before you're going to be in New York. Yeah. I'm trying to make plans now to get down there for Holophonic and stuff. You're fully vaccinated? No, I'm getting my second dose
1: uh next week. Sweet. Congrats, dude. Yeah. That'll be great. You'll be you'll be happy. I'm fully vaccinated. I I feel great. And you had it. And I had it. So I've got a lot going for me. <laughs> um, in terms of safety. Um, so it'd be great. I'm going to come to New York city on, in a week in May, probably. Oh, so we'll talk about that off air. Maybe we'll be hold a meetup. Um, hmm. yeah, man. Um, so with, with that intro I gave this week, we should talk about, um, you know, something that is just so central to what this podcast is. Um, has stood for as much as Adventure Time, and yes, I believe they announced something about Adventure Time this week. Uh, but what's probably even more uh, relevant to us <laughs> <It did>. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, is a is a little album called Sky Dream. Difference. Yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna start right off with with the Jeffrefs. Do you want to explain to the the lovely audience what Sky Dream is, Eric? Well, last year,
0: uh, almost around this time, it was May 2020, Jeff Rosenstock released, I think, the best album of his career, No Dream. Uh, and this past week, he basically ska-covered his own album.
1: <laughs> he holophonicsed his, whole, his own album. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm assuming a lot of you know, but I guess at this point, there's probably lots of people um, who know about Jeff Rosenstock, but aren't necessarily knowing of his ska past, um, or even ska present as he still plays in the Bruce Lee band. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I have no idea what we've, we've talked about Jeff a lot on this podcast, but he, he was in, uh, his first band, Eric and Sons of Bitches from Long Island, where Eric is from, uh, you know, venerable ska punk band, right? Like not necessarily not recognized at their time. Like they were not, really a nationally recognized band um they never quite got there it didn't seem like but I think in retrospect it was clearly like one of the better ska punk albums of the 2000s
0: yeah and I've, I've I believe I've said that I never really got into them when I was in high school uh when I was a teenager the big local Scott band that was at the top of my list was high school football heroes yeah. Uh, and for some reason, I just never got into ASOB. But I think we've the, sort of uncovered the big reason for that is their best and really only legitimately recorded album came out after they broke up, yeah. pretty much as they broke
1: up. <laughs> and Jeff has documented this, and they 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 had to record it like two or three times to get it right. They like <laughs> yeah. spent all this money and printed up all this merch to go on tour and yada yada. It was all this stressful, so then they broke up. And then that's when Jeff started bombing the music industry and was like, fuck all this career is shit. I'm not sending this to labels, hoping they're going to sign me. I'm not going to spend, you know, $10,000 in t-shirts I'm going to give my music away for free. I'm going to record it in my bedroom. Um, I'm only going to play shows for the gas money costs for me to get there. I'm going to spray paint kids shirts, like going full punk rock Fugazi of the, uh, of the two thousands, the mid two thousands. And, uh. And that's when Bomb Music Industry was born. And if you listen to that band, you'd also know that they have lots of ska in there. So it all sets the stage for um, Jeff to make a return to ska. And, you know, kind of the last Bomb the Music Industry album, um, Vacation, there's no ska songs on it. It's the only album they have without any real ska elements. And then as he be transferred into his solo career, he kind of just continued on with the sound they established on that album. And it's just, you know, power pop punk rock soup goodness, you know, to me, what to to me, the down the middle comfort food of my musical (laughs) existence of guitar solos and angsty lyrics and energy and all that, you know?
0: Yeah. So "Sky dream is basically a return to form. I mean, it's got a very big throwback vibe and I know we we talked about this the night it came out uh, via text that it has a very present bond, the music industry vibe. Uh, if for no other reason than that it was just recorded individually in people's houses and, like, they emailed files back and forth, like, on the music industry. And, you know, the last few solo albums, they recorded
1: live. Yeah, as a full band in the room to tape for, right, for a lot of it now, um, which is just so far away from album minus band, which is just using, <laughs> like, MIDI instruments and, like... Wasn't there like samples on there that weren't cleared and stuff? Like, uh, or was he using like free trial software?
0: Yeah, and the like the artifacts that they put in, like the the watermarks, the audio watermarks, are still all over the albums. It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's really great. Um, um, and I just you know, it it is one of those. I mean, he was pretty early on that. I mean, there's always been bedroom stuff. You can go back further and further. Daniel Johnston, whatever about it, but like. For the sort of modern punk era, he was—I feel like one of the big, you know, troubadours or like leaders of the sort of home-recorded movement, sort of like Adam and his package uh too. And like I don't know, it's 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 cool, and it's cool to hear it. Yeah, it's cool to hear it done like that, where there's a little bit more looseness to it. There's a—it feels playful and fun and like he doesn't give a fuck again a little bit that's always present in the music but (laughs) but like Bob, music industry literally felt like no rules i'll just do whatever i feel like at any time and i feel that on this it's a good ska album (laughs) it's just objectively speaking and it's it's great because
0: it really covers a lot of ground in the ska genre and it's it's funny because this is exactly how i think you know when i was doing ska covers is try to take the source material and make it as different as possible and do as many different kinds of ska as possible. And it really like listening to that album is like, wow, this is exactly what I would have done in that, in that part. Oh, he did this other thing that I wouldn't have done, but it totally works. And I love that, that genre of that subgenre of ska that he's using there. Uh, it's, it's like one of the best ska albums of the last few years, I think like, <laughs> and it's kind of just a joke but it's not really it's yeah
1: i think he said in like the, the the release it was like as a lot of things in my life it starts off as a joke and then it was like what if we actually made this good um yeah well i mean what it has it's- going for it eric is that the the album no dream is legitimately objectively a pretty astounding punk rock album like in terms of songcraft and everything um and melodies, it's really, really great. I um I revisited a couple of weeks ago not thinking that this Sky Dream record was real. I was just listening to a driving around town and, you know, you and I were talking about new punk bands, um, and ones that I really love. Um and I was and we were talking about that and I listened to this album again and I, I started to see maybe where you were coming from calling him the best and why I might be inclined to agree at the current moment is like, especially when you listen to no dream and you listen to the production choices, the arrangement choices, the harmonic choices. He's, you know, he's got his old bag of tricks that are kind of Jeff Rosenstock hallmarks, but he's always finding new ways to like expand that and find new harmonic ground and arrangement ground. And like, it's just really inventive on this album. And there's like, you know, each part feels special on it. Like it's not just, ah, all right, well, we'll just do, you know, second verse will just be the same as the first verse. It's like, no, every, there's always a very intentional thing about it. So I I agree that at this point, I think that it's probably his best album. Although, you know, all of his solo albums are great and Worry has a real soft spot in my heart. Um, it's interesting gauging
0: the reaction of the Jeff fan base to it. Yeah. Because a lot of people just straight up love it, of course. And then there's you know a little bit of like, oh, ska really? Like people that you know th- thought they outgrew ska, yeah, and thought Jeff outgrew ska. Um, and then there's people that legitimately did not know any of this ska stuff that are now discovering it for the first time. That he his ska and, business, yeah, yeah, and or, or even just ska in general. Like it's crazy that people became Jeff fans without knowing anything about Scott in the first place. Um, But it's awesome that they're now figuring that out. It really tracks
1: for me, though, because I think that he sort of like one of his big breakouts as a solo thing was that he toured with that like legitimately crazy um, modern baseball tour like five years ago, which was like modern baseball and pup and tiny moving parts or something and Jeff Rosenstock and he was like maybe first or second on the bill. Maybe he was second. Like, I don't remember. Um, But like that tour at that point, you know, it's like 2000. So that's like 2016. Most of the people at that show are like 18, 19, 20. And that's who's getting into Jeff. And it's like young people. And then you think at that point, 18, 19, 20, Ska has not like even like when we were growing up, like there was local Ska scenes and like if you go to Warp Tour, there'd always be a bunch of big ska bands in the bill. It's, I guess it's at this point, like you could be a young person that's in your early 20s and just never really learned about ska, right? Yeah. Uh, so
0: everyone knows that feeling of when you really like an artist and then all of a sudden they get super popular and now all these new people also like the artist. Yeah. And it's like, how how do I feel about this now? Um, I you know I famously wrote a song about <laughs> about that specifically with Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know it's it's kind of this realization now, especially with this Sky Dream release that really brings it into focus pretty sharply for me. I kind of feel like the Jeff fandom is leaving me behind a little bit. Interesting. Do you do you get that feeling at all? Yeah. Uh, ex- like it's just uh, becoming so big. Explain more. It's like, well, okay. When, uh,
1: I, I want to know. I want. I want to. I want to dive into this so I can weigh in properly. Jeff
0: Rosenstock is my favorite artist. Mm-hmm.
1: Full stop. Now you're not even going. Right. You're not even going to go like current artists or whatever. You're just going to go like all time. If you're going all time favorite musician, he's yeah. It's Jeff it's Rosenstock. Yeah,
0: and I am not one of the biggest Jeff Rosenstock fans out
1: there. Because you mean that there's people out there who are so like he like they're so into him that they like you mean they're more dedicated than you. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I would like to be, but I feel feel like for a bunch of reasons of the last five years in particular, since worry came out, it's been difficult to keep up because it's been expanding and growing so fast. Like, I don't I don't have the money to buy vinyl records all the, all the time. Yeah. Like, and the Jeff records are hard to find and they're expensive. Wow. A lot of them. And you know, when I buy vinyl records, it's every now and then it's from bands that I usually know that I'm supporting friends and that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and I haven't seen him play live very much. You've seen him play live a lot more than I have. Yeah. Cause I lived in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I you know I haven't lived in New York in ten years, and I was on tour a lot when he was on tour at the same time, and I missed a lot of his shows, even when he was coming through Texas. Well, um, and I feel like in that time, like other Jeff fans have like overtaken that my level of dedication to being a Jeff fan. I
1: do want to. I do want to say though, I'll just okay a couple things to say on that. I own every bomb in the music industry, full length album, and all the Jeff solo albums. Um, I I didn't order "Scott Dream." Is that going to count as a Jeff solo album? Yes, you have to order it. I know. At this point, he really got me because, like, once (laughs) once you've ordered four records, it's sort of like, what am I going to stop now? You know. (laughs) Right. Um, That happened to me on "No Dream," but now I still love it. What I was going to say is that I own those all, Eric, and I, I've seen Jeff play in four different bands in New York, at least, if not five. Um, I still think you're a bigger Jeff fan than me. I don't know if – I know that those are the traditional punk rock roots um, for like what constitutes a, a bigger fan than somebody else. Like I could be like, oh, dude, I've seen him in – I saw him with Mikey Eric. Have you ever seen him with Mikey Erick? I saw him with Laura Stevenson. Have you ever seen him with Laura Like I I could say all that stuff, but like I know that... I think it really matters about the connection you have with the artists. So I'm giving you carte blanche that even though your life has led you in directions where you couldn't interact on so-called deeper levels, I think that your connection to Jeff is quite deep. And I, I would not take away your Jeff fandom from you. I would also say I think that what Jeff crossed into now you 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 might be closer and I would love to hear what you think on this is that when artists actually become popular like popular enough that you can play to a thousand people in cities um I think inevitably at that point you're going to almost start having like different rings of fans like say like rings of a tree like there's gonna be those that are like closest like the close tree ring to like the middle you know like the middle, um, like darker circle, you know it's in the middle of a tree trunk is this is this yeah. tracking, sure, so that inner <laughs> circle is like fucking in on they know they've heard they've listened to every single fucking album, and they're like they've been in, and you know what then they found back to the island, and they listened to that, and they loved Antarctica, so they listened to all the Chris Farron records or whatever the hell, then there's gonna be a row back that's like knows about all of it another row where it's like they only know the Jeff solo albums and then a row back from there where it's like oh he got a really great review on Pitchfork like I'll check this out and there's the people beyond that which are just like oh man like my friends who like music show me this and it's like really cool and it's it's like you almost start having I think just like these like rings of fans where it's like your core dedicated people and then people beyond you and I feel like with Jeff and in order to be like a big artist, you kind of need those different rings. Um, I think the most successful artists have a lot of people that feel like they're in that center circle. Like, I think that's how like a lot of pop fans feel like that little circle is huge. Um, I think that, I think Jeff just like, like when we were into bomb um, and it's like this with a lot of bands, especially in punk rock. um, And when you're going to see them at small DIY shows, it's like, You feel like you're in that thing. Like, you're like the whole fan base just is the people in that inner circle. And then, if you really start picking up momentum, you start growing out those outer rings. Um, There's another great record that just came out from this band called Spirit of the Beehive that's been around for a while and they're in the sort of punk rock sphere and um, not really getting a whole lot of attention. But then, a couple years back, Frank Ocean like put a song on a playlist and you know they're like a band who played house shows and were on tiny engines and stuff and then um they just got best in music on pitchfork and it seems like those rings are starting to build for them i don't know that's just like an interesting little does that make sense to you this hypothesis it makes total sense
0: and in so the way i think about it is i've had in my life two artists that have that i've considered like my favorite yeah right uh rx bandit's yeah. It was like the first band that I was like obsessed with. And when RX Bandits was my favorite band, like in high school, uh, yeah, I definitely considered myself like part of that inner circle. And the R- RX Bandits is a much bigger band than Jeff. Even,
1: I would say, even right now. Um, well, RX Bandits at their height versus Jeff at, their, at his height, which is probably right now. Hard to say, we'll see, yeah, but um, even though that
0: band was from the opposite side of the country uh in like two thousand five two thousand six uh they were my favorite band, and I felt like I was one of their biggest fans, and I think everyone else around me like a, a lot of my friends liked dark bandits, but like people just knew like, oh. Rx Bandits is Eric's favorite band. He's one of their biggest fans like that. I don't know. It was just a feeling, I guess. And I, it was probably, uh, right around when adults came out. I think I had just graduated from college. 2010. Yeah. Uh, that was the perfect album to graduate college to (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and move across the country from, you know, leaving the Northeast. Um, so it was right around then when I considered Jeff uh, on equal footing as Rx bandits, as like, all right, I have two favorite bands, and then Rx bandits was like, oh yeah, we're breaking up. So it was like, well, I guess Jeff is my favorite band <laughs> now, and yeah. and it's been that way ever since. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, you know that that feeling that I had when I was like one of the biggest RX Bandits fans, even though that the fan base was huge, mm-hmm. and there were plenty of other people just like me. I don't feel that way. Uh with Jeff. I feel like people have sort of you sure, uh, you, over overtaken my fandom. I don't know.
1: Could also <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to bring this into it, but I think maybe you just get a little bit older and how important it is to your identity changes a little bit. I'm sure that has everything to do with it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's
0: that that is absolutely it, but it's it's a weird feeling reckoning with that right now. Yeah.
1: I know what you're talking about. I've had those moments and thought I've had a lot of thoughts in my life about how important things should be to me versus how important they are and trying to parse out, okay, what am I naturally moving away from? And what am I artificially moving away from in the name of trying to be a more mature adult? You know, and I think it's like, I don't want to be like some Peter Pan guy who's just Holding on to his past and like can't grow up, you know. That's like, fuck, dude. Like you're in your like late 30s and you're still talking about this thing. It's like I don't want that, but I also don't want to be the guy who's you know 33 who's just forsaken everything that's ever given him joy in the name of being a <laughs> a responsible adult. You know, we know what I'm talking about there, which is like the big person. I always said I never want to be. You know, so. I feel like I'm definitely in in with you and and constantly trying to think about my relationship with with the music that I love and like like checking in on it and being like, am I being a proper fan? Like, am I going too deep in like I I, like I I think I think your connection to it should change a little bit as you get older, but I think it can still be there in a really positive way. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can be a huge fan of something without it taking over and dominating your entire like identity or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Um <clears throat> I become I become very obsessed with fandoms. Yeah. Well it's great too, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, fandoms. I mean, dude, it's like what can I keep right next to my my desk. Yeah. <laughs> it's an RX band that's you,
0: you ever You ever stop and think like you ever take stock of like the fandoms to which you belong, sort of like ma- it's like like like, like, yeah. like either artists or shows or cultures, subcultures that you're just ride or die for. Like if if you can count them on like one hand or two hands. No, but
1: that's like a fun thing to do. What, what? Well, okay. Um. Before we go there, what I, what I will say in defense of of fandoms too. I think I think it's good to be passionate in life I think it's good to be into things in life and the people who aren't who only enjoy things on surface level I think are missing like a deeper level of connection and I support anyone's fandom because like and I think being in a fandom helps create connections between me and other people and it also gives me more empathy for people who are passionate about other things you know what I mean like I'm definitely yeah. in the the Twin Peaks fandom, and so is everybody around me. I'll, like I'll, most of the people in my life, like my two roommates, we we watch it all the time. We're sharing Twin Peaks memes all the time. <laughs> like it's very deep. Um, so much so that recently I was talking to my friend Brendan on the phone, who we went to college with, and I, I said, "Oh yeah, well, you know, we just finished my third watch of Twin Peaks," and he was just like, "What?" Like he didn't know what the show was and it just blew my mind. Um, But which is really funny because it's like, I haven't talked to someone who doesn't know what that show is a long time. But I think being like actually like a concrete part of the fandom helps give me like, I'm not a big wrestling person, but like, you know what? I know what it's like to be a part of the fandom. And if you're, if you're into wrestling, like I'm totally on board. I want to know about that fandom. I want to know about yours. Like I'm into (laughs) it and I feel like I have empathy or, for it, you know what i mean? Like i support it and it helps i don't know. That's what i think. Yeah. I think it helps i think it helps foster <laughs> greater connection to different people and like interests outside of yourself. Like by really having a fundamental interest of your own, then you can find a way into other people's interests, i think. Um stopping and taking sure. stock of the fandoms that i'm a part of is something that i haven't really done. Do you do you do you have a firm grasp on that yourself? there's a few of
0: them i mean I, I don't know if you want to just consider Ska as as a fandom or
1: yeah. a subculture or whatever you're you're also involved in it in a more intimate way but yeah, yeah.
0: um you know but like adventure time of course mm-hmm. uh and steven universe are two like and they have like real fan cultures shows like that uh i mean a dc comics green lantern in particular
1: mhm yeah good things to be fandom about um it's i think it's i think it's funny sometimes too that there's like this inherent like which fandom is like cool to belong to you know what i mean like do you ever i don't know if that comes for you but maybe it's just like being in new york where it's like knowing about certain things gives you certain cultural cachet i kind of like the fandoms that don't like i that's why i kind of still like knowing about ska um even like <laughs> even though hopefully this ska dream album brings it back a little bit into people's minds, um, right? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Twin Peaks is definitely there for me. Um, I guess just like general independent music or something. Um, I mean, we're in the Adventure Time fandom at this point, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, we do have a podcast. we have a podcast a talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think that I feel like that's totally got to be it. Yeah. And there's def- there's definitely different musicians, I'm in the fandom. I don't know. I'm going to think more about this because there's more. I I should start keeping a list and and realizing. I guess I'm in the Grateful Dead fandom uh, world. (laughs) Although I'm not deep. Like that one goes very deep and I'm just working my way through it right now. Um. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know,
0: something I was thinking about. Yeah, if you consider that I'm in the Jeff Rosenstock fandom, I belong to the fandom rather than saying I am a fan. Yeah. just it, I guess it's just a a reframing of that, just looking at the same thing from a different perspective rather than being a fan of someone or belonging to the fandom. Yeah. And for Jeff Rosenstock, I would say, yes, I belong to the Jeff fandom. Well, I belong to the RX Bandits fandom.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's really something that I I think also this is different than what we've been talking about but I think if you reflect on what are people like what actually does have true dedicated fandom um, in the long run kind of in my mind a lot of times corresponds with quality or at least uniqueness or inventiveness um, I'm sure you could think of ideas to tell me I'm wrong but Um, and, and they're out there, but like there's more dedicated at this point in 2021, dedicated hardcore Weird Al fans than there are president of the United States of America fans, you know, like, wait, the band? band? Yeah. Presidents of, oh yeah. The band, the president of the United (laughs) States of America, um, like I, I, and that band was, wasn't bad or anything, but I'm just saying like, I think, um, In the long tail, I think in a current I think in culture there's like this a lot of placement on the current cultural context fitting into it while also standing out, being what's called for. You know, I think these are a lot of trappings when you are existing in the present and I think criticism plays into that where and it has to from a natural perspective, which is like, you know, critics and 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 consumers of like fervent consumers of modern culture put up whatever comes out against whatever else is coming out and what they want and it's like sometimes right it's like ska it's like ska is not huge right now so someone could put out a killer ska record and right now within the culture and its relevance it's not really like the cool hip thing to be into so then a great record can can skip by because of like the current Thing, but if it's truly good, it can like still find an audience, and then the long tail be great. And that's kind of like what what Jeff's career was like for a long time, where it was just like going on its own merits, finding these fans, and going until the point when those fans were now critics themselves and could like uh, champion the guy. I think a lot of that happened for him. But uh, um, I don't know. I just do a lot of reflecting on that, and you go like, oh, cool. So I think that the more courageous, idiosyncratic. Little bit weird and fearless bands. Um, in the long run, you you just get more dedicated fans. Like there's something for them to really fucking love and own because there's nothing else like it, and it's not necessarily fitting square in on what's cool and hip, you know. And I think, but, um, and I think that's really cool. Um, there's like a funny trend on Twitter where like some music writers that. Write for pitchfork um like one of them wrote the worry review and uh sometimes they'll go like you know just reviewing the 2009 pitchfork best albums of the year list and you just look at it and then you're just like holy shit like yeah like ariel pink's haunted graffiti was like the number one and everyone loved this thing and it's like yeah but do people still care about him and then he's at the capital riots that that whole thing was weird but um <laughs> but there's like all these bands that are like cool in the moment and they fit the cultural moment perfectly. Um, but then you go on just a little bit and maybe it w- it didn't have substance. It wasn't weird enough. I don't know. It, it doesn't hold the same like number of dedicated fans. Is, is what I'm saying resonating at all with you? Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's cool. And I think it gives you hope. And I think it's, I don't know. I just think this is all just in defense of like still being a fan myself. I think that it's really fun and fun to think about this stuff. <laughs> so I agree. I guess that's why we have a podcast about it. Um, and I know that the Adventure Time has fandom. Adventure Time fandom must have definitely has rings, you know? And I feel like even you and I were even starting on this podcast. We're at two separate rings where you were closer to it. And I was like further where I was like, Six rings out. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen a bunch of episodes. I love that show, and I'm a fan. But I, I now this podcast is just me hopping rings towards the center. <laughs> yeah. Right? The, the, were there Which is ever fun. any Adventure Time conventions? I don't know if there was Adventure Time conventions. I don't know. Great question. I mean, it was a huge Comic-Con thing, as as Paul Kaminsky, our former guest, pointed out.
0: Yeah. There, uh, I mean there are no conventions happening right now, obviously, but there should be adventure time conventions and we should go to them.
1: Oh my if God, they exist <laughs> I'm googling it right now. hey uh, email said did you see the mail at gmail.com if you've ever been to an adventure time convention um, I mean, a lot of it's come up as just comic-con um, but that's cool. I mean, remember, Paul was saying he went to Comic-Con right when the show was hitting and there was just a million Finn and Jakes running around. Yeah. Uh,
0: I always saw a lot of Finn cosplays at at the Dallas Comic-Cons.
1: But it's cool. I mean, that was good. I mean, they, and then as I said before, there was some uh, Adventure Time news announced this week that there's going to be another HBO special.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we know there's going to be four of them. And they just haven't told anyone when they're happening, um, except now we know that the third one is coming out next month,
1: which is pretty I don't know exciting.
0: The, the date, but it's it's. I thought that they were going to do the Peppermint Butler uh, episode as the third episode, but apparently they're doing the Finn and Jake episode yeah. as number three. Yeah, very
1: interesting. You that that that's not what you would peg as traditional programming i mean that that merely makes you think about what the content of the peppermint butler one is and if that's going to lead to more content down the line because that seems like it's going to be extremely lore heavy and lead somewhere
0: yeah maybe i hope they do more i hope that they just
1: never stop (laughs) well i think it's cool in the current landscape and as an R bandits fan um we've kind of talked about this is at this point in the current media landscape like right so like previously to be a functioning TV show, you need someone to give you a lot of money to make the TV shows, which is understandable, or to be in a band. I I remember saying this to you about RxBandance, and it's like, so previously, yeah, you want to make a record, you need to be on a label so that they can front the money for you to make a record, because making records is incredibly expensive, and in order to do that, you need to be a full-time band touring, so you stop, you stop. Mm -hmm. But at this juncture, and it sounds like RxBandance is sort of doing this now, they're making a record right now, but it sort of comes like, You know, you could still be a band and just not, like, just do it at a different level. Like, cool, you guys can't tour anymore because Matt's in Dispatch and Gax a dad. Like, just make a record at your own speed that's the same quality. Just work on it when you can and put that out and play a smaller number of shows. But keep going. And same thing for Adventure Time where it's like, I can only imagine that everyone who worked on that show wants to do other things. But, you know... A couple episodes a year, like specials to continue it, it's sort of like if it's special and it's still good and everyone still in it and there's fans that want, it's sort of like why why stop it unless you're that burnt out on it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, from what I understand, Pendleton Ward is not involved in the Distant Land specials. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, that makes sense. Uh, For him. I mean, historically... Adam Adam Muto is running all of it. So, that's kind of like his... Like, new thing that he's taking the helm on is is sort of...
1: Yeah, and Pendleton Ward, obviously, I mean... You know, classic... We all know his kind of story of getting burnt out. I mean, just because of the literal insanity of making the show. (laughs) As we've talked about in the past. So, I, I don't blame anybody. I just... Sometimes you just got to wonder. It's like when people like say things end and then they take five year off and come back. It's sort of like, why don't you just just I don't know. That's my. Right. Yeah. Like like when
0: when our expanded broke up that time, uh-huh. that was the weirdest scenario because they, they were all they were so vague about being like, hey, this is our last tour. And everyone's like, oh, no, the band's breaking up. And they were kind of like, well, no, but it's our last tour. Like, can you please elaborate on this? And they never would. And, not, <laughs> and then they just came back with a new album three years after that. <laughs> yeah,
1: three years later. It was just, Like, you could have totally just taken three years off. <laughs> I
0: mean, they
1: used to do that anyway. Yeah. Like, it was... You could literally it was, You could literally be, hey, guys, like, Seagax having a baby. We're going to take some time off and see what happens. You know what I mean? And then they did that. That's kind of what's happening this time. But then they came back in, like, 14 or 15, put out that record and toured. And then they did some anniversary touring and then now they've just been quiet. They didn't say they were breaking up again and now they're doing shows here and there and stuff. So, yeah.
0: But you know, it, I mean, it, it brings up a, a good point. Like this seems to be a model that a lot of creators are adopting. Uh, just sort of go at your own pace. Uh, getting huge financial backing from a production studio or a label or anything like that is not likely. Uh, so just, do it on your own terms when you can and things take longer, but it's ultimately better for the creative process is what it seems like. Yeah.
1: It's better for the creative process. It's better for the fans because they keep getting stuff. And I have to imagine it's better for the creator because like I can imagine that if you're in this full-time touring band, you're putting your heart and fucking soul into it to then the idea of, well, the next one we'll all just have jobs and we'll just do it when we can. I can imagine how that can feel bad but like why not it's like I don't know I, it's just like why make why why does everything have to be so black and white or be on your own terms I feel like that's just like part of growing up and restructuring and reprioritizing your life kind of like the fandoms we were talking about things can take on new found, new found places in your life such as the fandoms for me but that doesn't mean I have to give up the fandoms altogether like the hypothetical boring 38 year old I described before or 35 year old Um, just can redefine how you engage with it. Um, but if it's still making you happy, keep it around. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more complex uh, factors at play, I think, in all these things. And, you know, me just talking flippantly about other people's lives and careers. I know that I'm doing that. Um, so it's okay. Um, (laughs) um, but Adventure Time, I'm glad that they're making more. I'm glad another one's going to come out. Um, because I love talking about it. Maybe we should we should do one of those finally soon. Do something current yeah. and, and real. how about that? How about that? yeah. <laughs> um, um, but even if it's not current, even if it's years old, it still feels vital. Um, and I'm having fun doing this podcast. And I'd love to talk about this episode. I was going to do like a fun, jokey transition into it, but I, uh, let's just be direct today.
0: Episode Discussion
1: So we watched season five, episode 48, Betty. Betty. Now this is the first real Betty episode. She gets her name there. She's on the title card. Um, I think it's not, well, yeah, okay. It's the first
0: episode she appears in. Yeah. But they've done a lot of work establishing who Betty was
1: prior to this. It's not coming out of nowhere. Um, At this point, we've seen, yeah, so we know about Simon's, backstory and stuff to to a degree it's obviously a it's a story that gets told throughout the course of the show um right but this is this is where betty really enters right yeah so
0: since simon his tragic downfall is he loses his sanity uh we really only get a window into what happened to him through marceline and now we get another character's perspective on the whole situation pretty much.
1: Yeah. And we did. We've done some other stuff that's in the future on this podcast that's that's quite great. But yeah, I mean, just to catch everyone back up to speed, right? Like Simon and Betty were in love. We're like in school together. Right. And then, I mean, I guess I'm just at this point, I'm just trying to think about like what you need to know going into this. But they were together. Something happened. They split up. Simon's going on his own. He's with Marcy, um, Marceline, and he ha- he finds the crown and he puts it on and gives him powers, but also makes him go crazy. And I think at this point, we don't really know a lot of the ins and outs about why him and Betty were- didn't work out. We just know that she existed. They were in love, but she's not around anymore, right? I guess it's
0: hinted that they were academically involved. Yeah,
1: in this episode, partners or something. In this episode, we see the book. So he needs to do a ritual and the book he reaches for is one that he wrote with Betty, Betty Groff. And it's like this myth, what is it called? Mythic Rituals book. uh, Yeah, I don't remember. Which is so, so interesting for um, Simon to have have studied. Um, But yeah, so anyway, um, you know, it starts off really wild in this like crazy scenario. Is this a holdover from the episode before it, Eric? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So this is classic. This has happened to us a couple times recently where it, it just opens on this really thickly complex scene with lots of different characters in it. Um, and there is something like there's a very like nuanced, interesting scene happening where this is this entity in the middle with this globby face talking to a bunch of other wizards, one of which is a frog, and Ice King co- well yeah, we've
0: met all these other wizards yeah. as minor characters in the past. Uh but they're all here doing some kind of black magic ritual with some disembodied head.
1: Yeah, and it seems and Ice King comes out and is like, Come on, guys, I just want to be a part of your crew. I wanna up my, my magic points too, I think is what he says. Um right. Classic
0: Ice King and the other wizards always hate him and they're always trying to
1: exclude him. Yeah. They're like, Come on, guys. I'm not going to be a problem, and one of them is just like your life is my problem. <laughs> and tries to get him out, and as they're bickering, the disembodied some other wizard in the background. I don't know that guy, but he's. They're kind of like, no, you fools, don't do it. And then the disembodied head goes, and then it takes this form of this huge like black uh, square or something. And what's the name of it called? Of this, this Bella Noche. Yeah, Bella Noche. So it's really interesting, like Black Square that's anti magic and sucks the powers out of all the wizards, um yeah, the wizards that were performing the the
0: rituals yeah. so the the grand Master wizard tries to stop, yeah, him. he's the guy who's in charge of all wizardry, I guess, and he knows that this Noche
1: head is bad news, but the other wizards they're stupid, stupid <laughs> these these dummies <laughs> don't know, I mean it almost seems like come on, you guys, if you're going to be this silly about it, why don't you just let Ice King in? <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not like you guys are that much smarter. Like, you literally just <laughs> lost all of your powers um, to this, like, really scary black, like, head that, you know, whatever. Um, and then immediately they're trying to fight it, and it looks like it's just going horrible. And and Simon leaves, and as he's leaving, he's sort of like, have I gone so far through insanity that I'm now sane again? And then he sees himself in a puddle and he's like, oh, I am sane. And then out of nowhere, this guy comes up to him weirdly. He's like, stop looking in that puddle, man. You're ugly. And get out of here. This is my uh, busking spot. And then, <laughs> yeah. which was so weird, but then it's immediately Simon punches him in the face. And says, I'm sorry, I have no time. Go magic carpet. And it really shows like, I don't know, like I think that punching really ups the ante and you're like, Oh shit. Like that's not something ice King would be capable of doing. Like he, he read this some foreshadowing. Yeah. He read the situation perfectly. Didn't give a shit, had no time for it. Didn't get caught up in that put down, which ice King would have crumbled. His self-esteem couldn't handle something like that. Um, Hits him and then just like flies away and is like immediately on this mission to go back. And I think open up this time portal so that he can go by and properly say goodbye, and he's sorry to Betty. To Betty, um, yeah, that's he
0: has his sanity back for just a limited amount of time. He, and he that's knows, his, and within his singular mission, just to say goodbye, yeah, and
1: literally within what, like forty seconds of being Simon again, he 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 clocks what's happening and knows, okay, let's go. This is what we have to. This is what I have to do. Um, so he goes back, and then he calls uh, Marceline, who's having like a band practice with Finn and Jake. <laughs> this
0: scene was ridiculous. I love it. Ridiculous.
1: <laughs> but I think highly speaks to you and me and anybody who's ever played in a band or played guitar or bass, which is the classic conundrum. One of which Eric, I'm still, I'm going to be vulnerable facing to this day, which is how high do you wear your guitar or bass? And you immediately see Marceline playing her axe bass. Now the, To comedic effect, because she's up high, and due to the shape of the bass, it's make obviously making it harder to play because she has to like hook (laughs) her arm around. But they're doing the whole thing where she's like, "They're like, why is your bass so high?" And she goes, "It's easier to play. Like, I get better finger action." And they're like, "But it looks stupid. So put it down." Which, have you had this? They call her a nerd. Yeah. Have you had this conversation with your with bandmates growing up, like in your friends? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. This is a universal <laughs> conversation for anyone in a band.
0: It's so hard to find the ideal spot. Like I vacillate back and forth between, you know, easy to play and looks cool all the time.
1: Yeah. Um I've adopted a um you know, I I don't know, it's it's hard for me, dude. I I I I try to to find the right place. I do, you know, one of the things I like are the like I have a semi hollow Um, and semi hollow or big body guitars are kind of sweet. Um, I think this is one that I kind of maybe Jack from Portugal, the man, or like there's a couple other bands who do it too, but it big body guitars are tight because they can take up most of your torso and then it can be a little bit higher, but since it's so big, it doesn't look like you're wearing, you're playing your guitar so high. (laughs) So you're kind of getting best of all worlds, but then if you play like, like, my sg it's like i don't know man um oh yeah an sg small like, body. up high yeah looks so nerdy <laughs> oh yeah an sg up here i mean dude, the, the there's this band the oc's john dwyer he plays his sg like literally up here um are this like uh this like psych rock band in it for them i guess it looks kind of cool but uh but anyway we're getting a little off topic but um yeah they're doing it and they're having that conversation and then she gets the call and it's like, he's like, Hey, what's up? I'm sorry. I'm Simon again. I need to say goodbye to Betty. Um, Hambone is the, is the, the key. Like, I know there's a lot to take in, but you need to come over now. Right.
0: Yeah. And Hambo has a mythology that has been built up over a few seasons as well, which is, I, I love how carefully they've, crafted this story over multiple years and seasons like this stuffed animal that Marcy had from back from the apocalypse times like like there is there's an episode where it's stolen because it has powerful magical properties and there's this, this whole extra storyline with um this witch that tries to s- steal Hambo and I forget how it all shakes out, but yeah, this is the purpose that Hambo serves is for Ice King to make a uh, a telephone call to the past, basically. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it's really it's a really cool thing. So they they go back to the Ice King's castle, and dude, while they're going, Finn and Jake obviously come along, even though they're not going to play a big part, and um, Jake is being like a really tall ostrich that's like the form he's taking to walk over did you see that <laughs> I, know. I noticed it was weird yeah. he almost looked like a salvador Dali elephant yeah. <laughs> but he's an ostrich with like beefy legs and then they go into the ice king's castle and did you notice that the um um the ice king's like you know he's like in the side of the mountain and the mountain was crying it was melting oh it was yeah, because the magic is going away. Oh, because it looked like he was crying. Okay, so he, that's why he was melting. I was, I was kind of curious about exactly what was happening. I was like, "Yeah, is this a, I, I made, did I miss an episode where the 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 mountain is a sad mountain? I don't. Know. Um, no, it's, I mean it's, it's
0: a nice mountain, but it's magic ice. Yeah, so it's not going it, to be. It's all it's all
1: magic from the crown, and that's going away. So it's it's melting. Yeah." So, anyway, they, they do the ceremony, and it's but it's kind of clear that, you know, without the, the magic, it's not just the ice that's melting, but also, like, it was keeping Simon alive. So, he's sick, and he's not going to last long without that crown and its magic. Um, so, he's dying. He says, yes, but incrementally. Uh, in, in, the sh- in, in the meantime, I have a lot of work to do. So, um, they perform the ritual, and it opens this portal in the shape of of Hambo. It's like, it's crazy. Um, and then we see in the past, which I don't know if we'd seen at this point, but like, you know, it's Simon newly with the crown going, Betty, where's my queen? Like, like ice King, like, and just shooting like, like lightning bolts of ice out and just into the sky. And she's just like freaking out. She's like, this can't be how it ends, Simon. Um, and then he opens up and talks to her and says, he's sorry. And, She's like, what? Like, why? You? She, and she's like, I, you know, I gotta leave. She's like, you're breaking up with me. And he's like, no. This is, <laughs> I just, it gets weird when I put on that crown, and it'll never be the same. And you're gonna leave me, and you're right to leave me, and don't feel guilty. And I'm sorry that this happened. And she, and she's like, wait, I know who I'd leave you for. And he goes, what? Who? And then as the portal's closing, she jumps through and it and goes, you. And now she's jumped a thousand years into the future and is in the current Landavu reality. Um yeah, and it's
0: here's your time loop. I love time travel. Here we go. Time travel story, baby.
1: Here we go. And but then immediately Simon's dying and he's yeah. he's gonna die.
0: And death is there to make it known.
1: <laughs> yeah, death we've we've met before. Who's a musician himself, right? Uh, is he? Who do they do the drum battle with? And Peppermint Butler's there and he's the one who gets him out of there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good old. Yeah. Anyway, so then they, Um. she, She. but then, you know, much like Simon was when he, like, I get got to go to Betty. I got to move fast. I know what to do. Betty, within seconds of learning what the dilemma is, is like, oh, that's what's happening. Cool. Well, I'm going fi- to, we're going to fix the crown. I'm going to get you back onto it while we, we search and do research and try to find another loophole in order to so I can fix you. And he's sort of like, don't do it. Like, I hate being ice King. Don't do it. And I think Jake is there and he's like, uh, this sounds kind of like a good plan, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think you should, what's wrong? Like, this seems kind of great, like (laughs) for everybody. (laughs) So then she hops in the magic cart and goes and death is following them. But she's like, God damn on a mission. And really like, he's ready to give up and surrender his life. And he goes, what kind of us would we be if I didn't let her try? And then death goes away. And she comes back and just, and, um, oh, but before she gets there, we, we, we see what's happening and we see Ron James, Duncan Trussell he says, he comes to the grand wizard and is like, oh man, uh, Ron James is here. Ron James always delivers. And, and he's <laughs> like, I made this concoction in my lab and it's going to work. And he hits it and it looks like it's working. And then it just makes the, the like their enemy like twice as big and the grand wizards ron james you did not deliver <laughs> <laughs> which is great
0: yeah that's uh maurice lamarche he's the grand wizard oh
1: the grand wizard's pretty funny like they they, they put to good use here like a a really wise sounding leader saying ridiculous modern things which is kind of like an adventure time classic um and then Betty gets there. Yeah, Ron, Ron James. Usually we can count on him to
0: come through. Did not deliver. Ron James. Just made it worse. Always Duncan delivers. Trussell.
1: I loved that. I texted <laughs> you. <laughs> I was like, I'm fit. When uh, the uh, the crab apples, thanks for the
0: crab yeah. apples, Giuseppe. That's season six. That's after this episode.
1: Yeah. I was, I was, I was like, that was Ron James in that episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What an interesting. I guess
0: at that point, Ice King becomes friends with him.
1: Yeah. Which kind of makes sense. Maybe it's
0: because of this event.
1: Oh, because then later he he references talking to Ron Ron James told me that some crazy lady. Anyway, um so <laughs> Betty c- comes in, flies through the protective shield, maybe because she's, she's a human, goes right in and like finds the 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 woman at the center uh, of it, um the Bella Noche, right? And just like kicks the shit out of her and it dissolves and like she these wizards <laughs> could not figure out how to solve this problem. Like to save their fucking li- literally to save their fucking lives. They're just like dying. And then Betty comes in in two mm-hmm. seconds and solves the goddamn problem. Maybe it's because it's love, but her and Simon really do seem like a, <laughs> a capable <laughs> fast acting, well-meaning, incredible human couple. Right? Like. Yeah.
0: When the come, push comes to shove, they they solve their problems. They fucking they solve show the up with physical violence.
1: Yeah they show the fuck up for each other like they are in um and then he becomes ice king again and it seems that betty isn't there and nowhere to be seen so he goes home he goes home and he immediately has muscle princess in an ice kind of prison and it was i was like she wasn't here before does that mean on his way home from this event back to his like castle he steals muscle princess I don't know. Yeah, at, at this point,
0: he's supposedly uh, sworn off kidnapping princesses. Yeah,
1: maybe it's because I think it, it's come back so strong.
0: Yeah, I, it doesn't. Even, it doesn't seem like he's really trying to kidnap her. I guess he just like wants someone to
1: talk to. Yeah, he's
0: you know he's sad, ice king.
1: Because he's like, oh man, I I met the because he because then basically he says Ron James told him what happened, and the irony is that he doesn't remember it. And when Simon takes the crown off, he doesn't remember being Ice King. She's like, I ah, meet the woman of my dream. She saves my life. And then she's just gone. And then Betty comes to the window and she sees what's going on. She looks at Gunter and then flies off in this magic carpet. And uh, I was wondering, like, does she think that he's with Muscle Princess? Or is she just sort of acknowledging, damn, like, this is like... I got to go off now and figure out how to solve him because he's back to being this awful ice King.
0: Yeah. I think she's just like, he's too far gone to even bother. Yeah. Like I, I'm not even going to try to have a relationship with this insanity. I'm just going to go off and try and figure out the solution, which is such a, She's like definitely a woman of action. Like she shows up at that time portal, and not for a second does she hesitate. But like, where like okay, they say that it's a million years in the future, and she's like, A million years? And you're like, Oh no, 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 it's only a thousand yeah. years. And then she's totally fine. She's on board and one hundred percent. That's all it took. And I guess just by happenstance, she hap, like she is around Finn and the newly sane Simon, who just happened to be the only other two humans in all in the of land of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems i mean yeah we have a talking dog and a vampire also in the scene but relatively speaking this is and, and a as vampire human as land of oo could possibly get and
1: Mar- marceline is like sort of a human and then jake is like jake so yeah I, <laughs> yeah i'm totally with you it's it's kind of crazy um
0: yeah she's just on board uh she has a mission and for basically half of the entire series, like this is season five, Betty is chilling, doing research and work on this in the Land of ooh, like in the same time. Uh, and we don't see her all that much. No. And when we do see her, I, her storyline is always super confusing because she gets wrapped up with Magic Man and like her motivations are, are so w- weird. Like she's all over the place trying to find solutions on how to fix simon how to fix the crown and uh she i guess she goes to some pretty dark places yeah as you would wind up being voiced by the same voice actor yeah (laughs) so (laughs) but this is the beginning of that she's she's just content to live in the shadows (laughs) for half of the show
1: that's crazy she's a crazy character man
0: like she could have been hanging out with Finn and Marceline and Princess Bubblegum. Like, why wouldn't she want to work with Princess Bubblegum? Who's one of the greatest minds in the land of Vue. But no, she just does her own thing. It's kind of weird. It is. Uh, she's, I guess she's just so driven. She's just so laser focused on this. She doesn't stop to consider,
1: like, hey, who's the smartest candy being? <laughs> it could also just but be really overwhelming and she doesn't know who she can trust. And I imagine it's be one of those things where you start off of it and you're like, look, I wrote a whole book on mythic rituals. Like I can figure out how to, to fuck with this. Like maybe she thought it would only take her a couple weeks and then, yeah, I mean, it ends up years and years pass. Um, It's, it's a good point. I, I, I bet she just underestimated it and, and, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, oh, you got to build trust and rapport with. All these people, and I don't know, but you're, it's a great point. Princess Bubblegum really would have helped in this situation. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think there is uh, an episode where Princess Bubblegum gets involved somehow with the crown. I forget what happened. Well, especially with Marceline being
1: so wrapped up in all this too. Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. Like Marceline is. It, it's hard to like really understand where she is at this point because. Even the way that we get backstory through flashbacks with, with her and Ice King, it all seems very nonchalant for like considering how serious their relationship was. But you got to remember, a thousand years have passed. Yeah. So she has really come to terms with the fact that he's Ice King now. Yeah. And like, she's accepted that over a thousand years. At some point during that, that millennia, she has... Found acceptance, so uh, I guess uh, you know uh, she's not the
1: quickest to try and do you know, a thousand years. I, you've moved on, yeah, multiple <laughs> times. So I mean, yeah, there there are a lot of
0: reasons for Betty to to want to work with other people on this, but I don't know. It. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I can't pretend to understand anyone's motivations here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think she's. I think she's focused and
0: doesn't know who to trust. I don't know. This. I mean, this episode. There was a lot happening. There was a lot, and it's a very Jesse Moynihan episode, of course. Mm-hmm. Great one. We
1: keep getting lots of great Jesse Moynihan episodes.
0: You know, I was. I was thinking after I watched this, uh, what the Jesse Moynihan supercut would would be like, of like if you just picked out all of his episodes.
1: We should get a list of those together.
0: I think more than any other storyboarder the Jesse Moynihan supercut might be extremely dense, extremely plot driven and just like out there. And it might be the most wild. I think the Rebecca sugar supercut might be the most like emotional, and like the most resonant, but also not the most like tied into, you know, a storyline or a narrative. Yeah.
1: I, I like, I like as we're going through these, picking up on on those and like that can almost be like a really fun episode unto itself which is just like as we keep going' is just like the Jesse Moynihan Canon or the Rebecca Sugar <laughs> Canon um and like the Pendleton Ward yeah Canon or super cut would be so weird so crazy <laughs> but I, I mean I love so many of his episodes are some of my f- favorite um
0: yeah and they're the most non-sequitur
1: yeah which is like so crazy. Right. Didn't he? He did the My Alien Children episode. Right. Which is my. Yeah. F- <laughs> high strangeness. Yeah, there it is. That's what it's called.
0: There, I mean, there are a lot of really good storyboarders on the show. We don't always talk about all of them. I know. Um, I don't know if you saw this news, but Patrick McHale is going to be show running uh, a new show, uh, an adaptation of the Red Wall books.
1: Mm, I don't know much about those books. You,
0: uh when I was a kid, I loved those books, right when I was like late elementary school, middle school uh they're like you know y a novels about mice that have little high fantasy adventures nice. <laughs> Uh it was a whole series of really really good. I loved it when I was like eleven um and they're getting a a cartoon out of it now this is you know twenty years later. Uh, and Patrick McHale is running the whole thing. So I'm sure it's gonna be really great. Um, you know, and he of course did um over the garden wall.
1: Yeah. The web the web of from adventure time um just keeps weaving. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I would love to like I think that's a worthy endeavor if we're gonna like spend this much time on it of <laughs> going through adventure time it's just sort of like we should get that nerdy about it and like and figure that out um i mean i'm I, you know i'm sitting here thinking about how like i was like mispronouncing some of these people's names in the first episodes and now here we are just talking about uh how in depth it is like it's it's really fun having this journey go um yeah man anyway um did you see a snail
0: no, I did not see the snail, Nick. Nick, did you see the snail? No, I didn't all right <laughs> I guess we'll never know.
1: I guess we'll never know. what can we do?
0: But- yeah, the episodes where we don't see it. I just lost the time, I suppose. <laughs>
1: I think it's time for a little Miscellaneous Mania.
0: I mean, this was a very dense episode, so there's you know a lot of references and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, before we stuff. we go too far, I would just like to point out some thing I found out during the theme song, which is that uh, Patrick McHale was one of the writers on the upcoming Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio stop motion film that's coming out this year. Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't even know he was doing
0: that. Me neither, but. I'm I'm already in the bag for anything Guillermo del Toro. (laughs) Let's do it. Like that 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 ticket is already sold. You know, yeah. That's one of those filmmakers that you don't need to convince me. From now until the end of time, I will always watch a Guillermo del Toro film. Let's go.
1: Um, What do you got, Eric? Uh,
0: so the ritual they're performing to give form to Bill and Noche in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, They put these items in that are related to the suits of tarot cards. Hmm. We've got a staff, a sword, an orb, and a goblet. Um, And, I mean, Jesse Moynihan draws tarot cards. That's like a, a thing that he does, so that makes sense.
1: Cool. That's cool. You know, I was, I was, no, no, but it is cool. Sorry, I, I was wondering about that ritual as well as the ritual that Simon performs to go into the, um, you know, make Hambo that like portal. Uh, I was, I was was wondering. I was like, I wonder if these rituals are based upon any sort of rituals that actually exists. You know, in dark magic, black magic. It's, it's,
0: (laughs) it's funny that we watched this episode because. Uh I think I mentioned real quickly last week that I had my interest had been piqued about witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I bought a book you did. on Wicca. And <laughs> I've been reading it.
1: Um just learning about magic. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. That sounds awesome, man. <laughs> um did I tell you did I bring this up last time that I really wanted to buy this book on occult drawings? they bring they bring that up dude that i don't know how i didn't bring that up um yeah there's this um are we
0: doing an adventure time adventure guys book club
1: oh man we are except i i i don't think i'm gonna like buy this book soon enough to do it but we should actually probably do that Um, you can learn something Yes. Oh my god, dude. I, what? I did not know about that song. What you didn't? <laughs> no, I don't you must have used that so long ago. I I I, <laughs> I want to know about your witchcraft book. The book I'm talking about is called Thought Forms, um A Record of Clairvoyant Investigation. Um and it was like an occult book written in like 1905. Um, by the Theosophical Society. And what's interesting about this book is that it was basically this society, it was extremely female, and it was like a society that thought they could communicate with spirits. And when you did, you would see certain things when you communicated with the spirits. But it's like, how do you communicate what you saw and these things? So they were like, well, here's what we're going to do is we're going to get cl- clairvoyant people um, who can like see these thought forms and like draw them. Like we're going to illustrate the thought forms and the things that they see and, and do it. And it's in color and it's like really fucking pretty cool illustrations. And what I found out was that they, these illustrations in the clairvoyant were like, um, influential in modern art of the early 1900s. Um, Most, you know, and two that they, they reference is, uh, Hilma off Clint and, uh, uh, Kandinsky, which like, I don't know a ton about art, but like whenever I've gone to MoMA or I went to the one in, uh, in, uh, fuck, I can't believe I'm forgetting it in, uh, in Paris and stuff like those two artists like jumped out at me where I was going through, like, I don't know if you ever have that experience in a museum where you're going through and you're like. Holy shit, what is that one? Like that one is cool. Oh yeah. um and so I wrote both them down and apparently like they took a lot of inspiration from these clairvoyant illustrations. So I think I need to get this book. I think I'm just gonna order it now.
0: yeah, do it. I'm i I have always expressed support for
1: the occult and dark magic. I don't and... know much about it, man, and it's gonna lead into the, the I want to know about your rich book, but like, I'm pretty uh oh, I'm open minded. I want to know more. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, so I'm reading this book uh it's just called Wicca for Beginners by Lisa Chamberlain. It's kind of just a just an in, you know, introductory kind of thing. Hey, what is this and how can you do it? Um and I'm learning about it and I want to learn how to cast spells. <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you think you, you think you can get there?
0: Yeah, well, you have to build an altar first, um, and I don't really have like a good space to do that yet, so I'm going to have to like clean up a lot of things. Um, I'm probably going to do n- another live stream next week, mm-hmm. so I'm, i am i got to clean up my studio anyway, so maybe I'll make room to build an altar in the process of cleaning things up for the live stream. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I mean, there's crystals and all that kind of stuff that you can spend a lot of money on, but you don't have to and the cool the cool thing about Wicca is that it's not really organized. it's not centralized. there's not like a a like a holy text. there's not a you know a church You're, you know I mean there are covens, but they all operate independently, and uh, most witches kind of do their own thing so as long as you learn like the principles that you know sort of have guided the general thing like you can kind of mix and match and and make up your own way to to be a witch
1: that's fun that's interesting
0: yeah i i really like how that approach is so antithetical to every other like view of like the supernatural from our judeo-christian traditions (laughs) yeah
1: holy smokes i know it's (laughs) it's cool well, I want to know more about it as you, uh, as you go on. We'll 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 keep talking more. I want to know more as you read that book. I'm, I'm, dude. Sorry, I was like zoning out. I'm literally on the the book website, just updating my cart and just put it in. Because life's too short. You see a cool book about the occult, just buy it. Yeah.
0: And and hey, uh, maybe that book about the occult will teach you a spell to live in, in, <laughs> immortally and then life won't be too short.
1: Yeah. Hey. It'll pay off. Good. good 30, what, I'm good 30 gonna bucks. learn the
0: secret to immortality. <laughs> Just need a an ice king crown. Nice. There's a the catch.
1: Dude, speaking of which of learning how to live longer, I think I'm gonna come to. I'm gonna come to to met in May. Hopefully, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna take some meditation classes, um, in the city. Which uh, I've meditated here and there, but I'm excited to get somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing to to show me how to do a little bit and see what that's all about.
0: Meditation never appealed to me. No. I feel like it wouldn't be a good use of my time. And I, I, I know full well that that is exactly the kind of mentality that m- makes it necessary for someone to slow down and meditate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, no, dude, I, I, I understand it. I've gone through ups and downs. Um, I was going to take meditation classes like five years ago. And I was going through a very rough patch in my personal life. Um, and I was like, shit, I got to do something like this is going bad. Um, but then I went and I learned about it and I was just like, what? I got to come to this class. Is gonna be two hours. I- I'm not doing that. What are you talking about on a Saturday? Okay. I had the same type of thing. Um, but I think, I think in a lot of ways, um, this pandemic has made me realize that, slowing down in certain facets or like reprioritizing time might help make the remaining time a little bit better (laughs) and, um, taking, taking some, uh, time and creating a ritual where I calm my emotions down and try to like, like kind of like ground myself and like take a, a beat will help me come back in a, a better frame of mind to attack my goals rather than just, Living as this emotional being reacting to the last piece of information I was giving, and then just riding off whatever, you know. I, I don't know if I, I, you know, this is probably pretty human, but it's just like things are going good. And somebody said something weird to me at work, and I didn't like that. And now it's making me feel insecure and anxious. And I'm going to use that to try to fuel my music making after work. And then the next morning, I'm going to wake up and being like, I'm going to show that person that I am fucking good at my job or whatever and then now i'm operating there and it's like it's like why am i allowing these emotions over here that weren't even valid in the first place to just run me for a whole day um <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm rambling maybe, now late night rambling. maybe I'll,
0: I'll i'll learn how to cast a hex oh on the on those people for you
1: well now see there's all i am no evangelists for any sort of way to handle your life so If, if for me, meditating works, if for you, the witchcraft is what takes hold, I'm on board. Everyone's finding their own way on this. For me, this is just, I'm trying a different one. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Maybe you'll find, you'll learn that, and, uh, you'll pass that on to me, and I'll be like, fuck this meditating shit. (laughs) Spells. Oh, man. You're going to have to get on witch talk. Yeah, right. The more I.
0: See about it like online, like there's a lot of like real basic shit with just people trying to cast spells for money and that kind of thing, yeah like it does it seems a little too uh it just doesn't seem like the point of witchcraft just to cast spells to become rich, but I'm going to try it anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great,
0: or at least cast spells not to be poor anymore,
1: <laughs> see how it works, yeah, why not try. Was there, a, was there any more Miscellaneous Mania we need to get to? Before we- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's
0: probably fine. Let's pick uh, an episode yeah, next yeah.
1: week. What are we going to watch next week?
0: What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Let's go! It's the episode Alright, we're going way back. <laughs> I don't like this episode, but it's fine. Uh season one, episode six, The Jiggler. The Jiggler. What is the Jiggler? This is uh an early episode, just a really random kind of it's a Patrick McHale episode. We were just talking about him, so
1: Alright. Uh
0: but yeah, it's just it's just random.
1: Okay. Well let's do it. <laughs> the Jiggler Okay cool I'm up for it <laughs> Nice Eric um, I'm going to buy this book on the occult Maybe I'll have a snack um, I'll go indulge my Twin Peaks fandom It's going to be great um, <laughs> uh, And watch an episode um, I hope you have a great night too
0: You too dude um, I want to give a shout out all to
1: all of- Oh sorry what were you going to say
0: Nothing. Go for it. I want to give shout a
1: shout out to the fans. We dropped these episodes. Oh, we yeah. We should do. Wait, before we go, we
0: got to do real quick. Uh, uh, did you see the mail? Yeah.
1: Okay, let's do it. Okay. Did, 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 did you see
0: mail. Did you see mail. Oh, did you see All right, we got uh, an email here from our friend Bill.
1: Dear friend Bill, dedicated listener. Love this man. Um, bring us through it, Eric. Uh, he's
0: got a question for us. Let's see. (laughs) I'll just read. Uh, he says over the past year in which we've seen a dynamic in the news cycle where people freak out over seemingly minor things such as being asked to wear a mask. I've kept having an idea for a sketch pop up in which a group of Vikings are sitting calmly and quietly around the table, having been brought under control by one person only for a minor misstep to break the peace and cause them all to immediately devolve in an all-out brawl while the person that got them to be peaceful helplessly watches always known that i've seen this in something before but couldn't place it just dawned on me earlier today that i am almost certain this from an early episode of adventure time i thought it was memories from boom boom mountain but i just watched it and while it did have a rough housing subplot no dice any idea what episode i may be thinking of if any
1: and then I've responded to the email. do you have that there?
0: Nick says, "Oh man, that's the one I thought of first too. Let me ask Eric haha, ha.
1: okay, Eric <laughs> asking you what yeah. what are we
0: thinking about? uh, memories of Boom Boom Mountain came to my mind first as well but i don't I don't know, I don't know, so this one goes out to the adventure guys' listeners. If you know what episode this is. Send us an email at did you see the mail at gmail.com so we can get back to Bill about his quandary.
1: Yeah, I, man, I, I am. I'm looking at an old movie right here. I'm trying to find the plot. It's a movie that I love um, called The Seventh Seal. Um, and I'm like, is it from that? What the, <coughs> what the fuck? Like, I, you know what he's talking about, right?
0: Yeah, the second thing that came to my mind was an episode of Hilda with with Vikings, um, and they're having some you know war where they kill each other over and over again, and they try to be friends but they can't be. I don't know. Um, Hilda's a great show, yeah, but I don't think that's the I don't think that's the source here.
1: Yeah. Well, it, God, yeah, please. Email us. Did you see the mail at gmail.com if you know what we're talking about. Um, and, you know, it's fun. What's fun about doing this podcast for a while is that email might come to us in months' time because new people seem to be picking us up at different times. You know, we're recording this here on April 23rd of 2021, and uh, there's still pe- new people getting it. We got another nice um, email from uh, a new fan named Ty who found us recently, and it, it looks like he just listened to episode six. Um, and he said, Eric that you know we were back way back when we were thinking about doing like um like mini series episode about like the islands or the elements um and he was very down with that which is an idea I am still down with as well I'm glad to know that there's some support um you know we've dabbled now in going into some of those and doing spot episodes but at some point it could be fun to do that I don't know um yeah
0: Ty also says he's a ska enthusiast. Hell yeah! So if he if he just listened to episode six, of well thirty episodes from <laughs> from there, uh, we talked about ska quite a lot, and we read your email, Ty. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, hey, friend to both of us, David Finkelstein.
0: David Finkelstein says hello, my friends. I had to listen to the first episode today. Never watched Adventure Time, but enjoyed podcast. Much love. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Dude, cool. Well, that was. Did you see the did mail? You see The
1: mail. Eric, my brain is 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 drooping. I can feel my think? posture slumping in its chair. I think I I I am done for this day. I think we need to sign <laughs> off for real. I love getting mail, right. though. I'm I'm so glad that people are, are listening. What I was going to shout out was um we put these episodes up on Tuesday a.m., but, like, a.m., a.m., like, 4 a.m. Eastern or some shit, you know? Um, And I'll wake up here at, like, you know, at, like, I don't know, 8 a.m. Eastern, and we'll have, like, five or six listens, and, and sometimes, or... Or 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 I, 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 even I'm no, I'm talking even earlier. So well, sometimes we'll put it up at like yeah, at like 3 a.m. Eastern. I'll be up at 7 a.m. Eastern, or like it's, I, there, there was something like that one day, and there were already like a bunch of people listening to it in these really early morning hours. And I was like, these motherfuckers are dedicated, and I love this like handful of people that are just like up early, and they're like using us to power their lives. And I love you guys.
0: <laughs> I, uh, isn't that cool I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be awake at those hours yeah
1: that means like like someone's waking up at 5am and is like oh shit new adventure guys let's go Um, and I love if you're one of those people please send us an email we don't make t-shirts otherwise I'd send you one but you know <laughs> maybe one day I'd just love to know you and I'd love to talk about your life and if there's like <laughs> if there's something we can do in the show that makes your early mornings better like should we ease into it like should we do like an early morning version of the theme or like <laughs> I, I don't know start with some I, I don't know we should just do something special for for those for those folks who are listening at 4 a.m. <laughs> um yeah cool okay okay well maybe we'll hear from them. maybe we won't all right well good
0: up everyone Like and subscribe, bye. Peace out, y'all.